Hello, this is Spencer Lewis, and this is Next Exit, Episode 10. And today's career switcher is Megan Boyle, a school teacher turned nurse. Thanks for finally agreeing to talk to me today. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we've known each other for about 15 years or so. And when I, um, when I first met you, I think you had a regular office job. Um, or, where was I working? What? It was probably like the late 90s or... or, or oh, yeah. Uh, was I working for the internet company then? Yeah, probably. I yeah. think so. Or maybe you had just, um, it just came up. But like, yeah, you had like, I said, like a, a, a different career. You were just transitioning out of a different career at that point in time. But why don't we start with just kind of giving me your, just like your... Your elevator pitch, like you meet somebody and they're like, okay, tell me about Megan. Um, like, where are you from? Like, where did, you know, where'd you grow up? Uh, where'd you go to school? That type of stuff. Uh, my elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would take like five hours. <laughs> um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, went to Penn State for undergrad, moved to Boston after that. Um, my first job out of college was in clinical research as a research coordinator and I quit that job and waited tables and then got a job at an internet company right during the internet boom. Okay. Um, I worked for that company for about two years when we went public and then the NASDAQ crashed. <laughs> and then and everybody were, lost it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> there were all sorts of pink slip parties. My company got uh, bought up by eBay. Like they all did. Um, <laughs> and then I moved back to Philadelphia, got an, another internet company job. That wasn't really like what I wanted to do, but it was good money at the time. Okay. For another company that got bought up by eBay. Yes. Oh, okay. Another yeah. company, which I quit before that happened. Okay. Um, and I got another job in clinical research. And then I was like, oh, I'm bored. Uh, so I went back to school and got my master's in education. I wanted to be a civics teacher mm -hmm. initially, but during one of my practicums, I did like a special ed practicum and I really liked it. So I ended up becoming elementary and special ed certified. And I thought I might go back and, and, you know, take all the classes I needed to be a civics teacher, but I never did. Okay. I just stuck with it. Where'd you go to school? Which time? <laughs> where did you go to high school and then where did you go um, to get your bachelor's? Okay. I went to the Academy of Notre Dame in Villanova for high school. Okay. All girls, private Catholic. Um, I'd gone to public school, though, for K-8. to And then I went to Penn State for my first undergrad degree. Then I went to LaSalle for my master's in education. And then I ultimately went back to LaSalle for my bachelor's of science in nursing. Gotcha. So when you went to college, so you went, the first time you, you went to college, when you were at Penn State, um, you didn't go to college, think, or did you go to college thinking you'd be a teacher? Oh, not at all. Um, that was not in the plan. In fact, I had planned to go and be a classics major. I was interested in like Greek and Roman history and uh, when I was younger I'd wanted to be an archaeologist and okay. the advisor, like my freshman advisor was like, eh, don't do that. All you're going to end up doing is teaching and I was like, okay. That's, that's really crazy. It but... was really crazy and I just, I changed to undecided 
and then remained undecided for six years while I was there, just <laughs> flipping and flopping everywhere with zero guidance. It's really, I don't even remember having like a, like a, like I remember a guidance counselor in high school, mm-hmm. but like in college, I don't remember having any of that. And it's, I feel like it's kind of weird because like you're, I was 17 when I started Yeah, yeah me too. And, you know, even when you end at like, you know, I, uh, I went to Drexel, which is a five-year school, so I was 22 when I finished. Um, I was like, I don't know, like, what do you know about, like, making a career choice Nothing. at that point in time? And so they don't really give you a whole ton of guidance um, then. I, I feel like they might be better now, but on top of that, like, you then have to go out and pay for, like, you you know, pay for this. I get the whole like, oh, you don't want to do this. You might only end up teaching, but like, don't you feel like you should also end up wanting to be happy, right? Like, what you end and, up doing, like, and it's not for some weird adjunct professor or whoever they were right. point to say like, don't do that, um, because I ended up staying in college for so many years. Now I'm glad, in retrospect, I'm so glad I didn't go into nursing as an undergrad. Because yeah, I would have gotten out at like 21 and been like, right. derp. Um, <laughs> like being involved with people's lives. That I think it's so shocking that there are 21 year old nurses that are right. in charge of people's lives. Yeah, I mean it. It, it just feels. I mean it, it. To me, it's just hard to make a decision about your life Mm -hmm. that early and to me like the the purpose of college sometimes seems like to help you be able to kind of figure out how to make a decision but like you know I have friends that went when I was at Drexel they're deciding they're going to be an accountant at that and they went in the accounting path and they have been doing accounting for their entire lives it's just like Yeah, I think college is very appropriate for people who are like, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a doctor or like they know. I never knew. I was, I had a lot of interest. I still do have a lot of interest. And so it's hard if you don't know. And to some extent, they sort of make you feel bad for not knowing. And so that's the part, like I actually, so I was going to disagree with you just a little bit, right? Because I think it's good if you don't know, as long as they set it up that way that like we're going to help you get to a point where you like at least can make a decision about what you want to do in like when you graduate as opposed to having this expectation that you need to know what you're going to do like at Drexel I don't know how it is now like I could have gone like the first year just taking um, like prerequisites, or, like I had to take like science, even though I was right. in business school, I had to take like sciences and um, like specific kind of maths. But by the time the second year came around, I had to yeah. know. And um, I, I know they have things like liberal arts, you know, degrees, I, I, I guess. But I do think that there should be like this whole idea of like colleges. Um, educating you and getting you prepared for you know your career after that because the, the other thing is that most of the people I know that aren't working in um, the field that they got their college degree in right. so why well, have this expectation that everybody is going to be working in that field that this, they decided on when they were 17 years old right and years ago in the early 90s when I was in college 
you could afford to do that. I think yeah. my tuition was four thousand dollars yeah. or something like that. You can't afford to do that no. now. Like I tell my nieces, like go become a plumber or like go do something like before you go to college. Um, so take a gap year. I don't know why we don't have gap year yeah. here. That it, it seems like it's more. Um, it happens more. Um, now than it did that like then it was just kind of the assumption you're going to just move yeah. right into to college um but yeah i totally agree take a gap year, figure something out because shoot it, you it much i think i you know it's much better to take a make that decision when you're 18 19 as opposed to 17 or 18 i think right. that's a big difference um so okay so you had that that Six year, you had the six year plan. Six year stint at Penn State, yeah. I did work, like, I got a lot of good experience. I worked in a laboratory there, which was a lot of fun. Uh Um, And I just, yeah, I kept flip flopping until one time it was like everyone I knew was graduating. I was like, oh, I I guess I should leave. (laughs) And so I asked an advisor, I was like, do whatever you can to get me out of here. And they cobbled together essentially. A degree called like liberal studies. Uh-huh. Uh, I had so many college credits; it was insane. But it's it was basically made of. I had like some nursing classes, more like bioethics type stuff. Okay. Nursing, nutrition, biobehavioral health, health policy. And so yeah. So you finished up. You finished up that Penn State. You you were working for some internet companies, and you did some um, different jobs, but at some point you became a teacher. Yes. How did that happen? Um, honestly, like how did I end up going and getting my master's and becoming yeah. a teacher? I was in a research job. The secretary I worked with was so mean. Um, and I was like, I need to get out of this job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was, it was an impulsive move. Honestly, okay. it was, it was really an impulsive move. Um, and I saw like, a master's program where you could get dual certified and and I applied in like a weekend and okay like by Monday I was starting classes I kind of like that though like I mean because you know I think one of the things I do is like I, I evaluate things and I go back and forth and like I never do anything just I mean, you just, like... I just did it. just did it, which... My only complaint now... I remember when I... So this is close to 10 years after I started undergrad. Um, I remember when I was in college, and maybe you remember this, getting into grad school was a huge deal. Uh Like, people applied, and they they were wringing their hands, waiting to hear back. Now, you can just go. And it's so easy. It's a big business now, right? And you do it online. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of places. I have a a number of friends that have their MBAs on online. You're right. Like, uh, and now even they'll say, oh, we'll just, oh, you don't have to take the, what is it? The GREs and, yeah. Or MCATs or whatever. You don't have to do any of that stuff uh, because you have work experience. And we'll... And it wasn't really, I mean, obviously coming right out of college, you have none of that. So you do have to test in, but still there weren't, I don't feel there was as many opportunities to go to grad school. You're, you're definitely. Yeah. So what did you get dual certified in? In elementary ed and special ed. Okay. So then you, you, 
you began working. Yeah, actually, I got a job in the school district of Philadelphia before I was even fully certified. They emergency certified me, like contingent upon me finishing my master's and getting certified. Um, That was in 2004. And, oh my goodness, any teacher will tell you, like, their first year of teaching is a horror film. <laughs> Why? What, like, what was it that... It's, I just remember, I start, I didn't even start it in the beginning of the school year. It's not like any other job where you go in and you have, like, orientation. They sit down and do a training or, like, here's your little buddy worker who will mm-hmm. sort of walk you through it. I just walked into school my first day. I hadn't met the principal. I didn't know where the lunchroom was for the kids. I didn't know where anything was. I had to, like, fake it. I didn't know how to take attendance. I didn't know how to do anything. I'm confused. Are you saying that, like, your first day of uh, being a teacher, you're just, like, being a teacher? Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Is that the same, like, everywhere? Or do you think, like... Because Philly, I mean, you know... I think it's changed a little but only recently i think um like new teachers now if they be start if they start in the beginning of the school year they'll do like a week-long sort of orientation um i think i'm not even sure and um they i don't know i don't it's really funny (laughs) it's just like i can just imagine like you're like Five days into it, and somebody's like, "Did all the students uh, were all the students there?" And you're like, "Uh, like, uh there were well, a lot. There were a lot there." And the, <laughs> the first day I walked into school, there was a protest outside the school. As well, there's probably should have been. Uh, because apparently parents didn't like the principal because she had had a a kid identified special ed handcuffed. Um, and so parents were in an uproar about that. But when I was walking in, I was like, is the school district on strike? Like, am I being a scab? I don't understand what's happening. Oh, God. You thought you have been punked into being a scab teacher. And then you walk in and nothing is given to you. You're just like, here's your room. Not even bulletin board paper. I had to buy a teacher's guide from eBay for my literature curriculum. Because I was like, does any, do I, does someone have the the teacher's guide for this? They're like, what? no, <laughs> no. You know what? I I can't. I mean, as as funny as this seems, have you ever seen? Have you ever watched The Wire? Of course, yes. And so you remember the te- the the school oh, yeah. district season? That's, it sounds a lot. It like was what? <laughs> no, like the one of the first days I went in, I went in with a bucket and I scrubbed my classroom because it was filthy. I wasn't chipping gum off under the things but there was a bullet hole in the window the heat didn't work my the door that i had usually has like a window in it that was punched out (laughs) so it feels like i shouldn't have to ask this question but i'm going to because you know i'm supposed to but like what made you decide to leave teaching um well you know things got better as I taught, like, I started to teach in, in better schools, um, and, you know, after a couple of years, you kind of find your... Right. You get, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You, you know what's happening. You know what to expect. But I had I had planned an exit strategy. That was less an impulsive move. Well, number one, I left the school district once, because I went to Thailand, 
and I taught over there for two years. Right. Uh, then I came back, and I taught again, and I knew when I came back, because I had actually thought about going to nursing school in Thailand. I started to prepare for nursing right. school. I took all my prerequisites, like the sciences that I needed to redo, because they can't be older than five years. Um, I took those online. I took online chemistry, which I luckily worked at a school and talked to the chemistry teacher and was like, can I do my experiments in your, <laughs> like, do stuff I can use? So that worked out well. And so I knew when I was coming back here, I would eventually go to nursing school. And um, so I was sort of getting sick of it, but... How, so I should have probably set this up. Like, how long were you a, a, a teacher, including Thailand? Like, from the time you graduated and you got your emer- like emergency certification to the point in time where you left? How so, long were you 2004 to 2016. 12 okay. years? Okay. About? Yeah. And then how long before you had come up with that exit strategy? Uh, so I guess I probably started classes in Thailand in 2009 and then I graduated nursing school in, was it 2015? Okay. So six years in the making. So, right. So like five, six years at Mm. some point you decided I need an exit strategy out of teaching. What was it that like made that? forced you to that point the straw that broke the camel's back (laughs) well it it really was like sort of a specific incident i worked at a very it was like one of the nicer schools in the city okay i worked in a k-2 classroom for children with autism and i had a great little classroom um but i was we were like sort of understaffed i had eight kids which does not sound like much but when they all have autism a lot of them weren't potty trained. A lot of them had significant behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a classroom assistant, but when she went to lunch, I was alone in the room. And if mm-hmm. someone poops their pants, like yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem. You. Plus, I had like a little kid who eloped, or like some of them can't open their own food when they're eating. Like there's stuff they just could not do. Do you have the same students all day long? Yes. So how do you? So, like, how do you take a break? Uh, well, I'm supposed to get a lunch, which doesn't happen sometimes because you have to hold kids because they're either having a freak out right, or they've been naughty, um, or, you know, for any number of reason, they poop their pants right at lunchtime. (laughs) You got to clean them up. Um, and I'm supposed to have a prep. So, but the prep is like getting stuff ready for the next day or try like writing IEPs, which... That's 45 minutes What's a day. IEP? It's an individual education plan, okay. individualized education plan. But um, so I had this one student who was tiny. She was like the size of a toddler. She was five years old. She had limited verbal ability and her mom was like very involved. And I had a good relationship with the mom and the mom had told me, that she was supposed to have a one-to-one, and it said so on her IEP. And I was like, yeah, you're right, and I could really use the help. I I understand. Um, I said, you need to call the district, or you, you need to start, you know, being the squeaky wheel. And she did, and I did, and I complained to my principal. This, that still didn't happen. We even had someone from the district come down and observe my classroom. Mm-hmm. As, like, I had a kid who would, like, spit 
Like, I'm holding a kid's hand, he's spitting in my face, another one's trying to run out of the room, and this woman's just sitting there, like, watching. And I'm like, do you, I need help in here. This is not a one-person job. Like, my classroom assistant was at lunch. And um, still nothing. And so I, I told mom, I was like, mm, you need to get a lawyer. Right. Because the school district doesn't respond to, like, just the pleas of a desperate parent. You need to threaten to sue them. Gotcha. It's cheaper for them if you sue them, actually. Right. Well, and here's, I mean, you know, um, I interviewed somebody about health insurance uh, the la- uh, a few weeks ago. And one of the things that she said, and I think it's, a, it's something that everybody needs to just learn just 100%, is you're your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to ever trust that somebody else is, like... You know, stuff is just going to get done because that's the way it's supposed to. No, yeah, it's no. not. You're not going to get what you're supposed to get a lot of time unless you really yeah, yeah. fight for it. Yeah, so, like I, like, I was all on board with this. Like, I'm the one who told mom to get the lawyer. We used to, like, email, talk daily. And then, so she got this lawyer, and I was like, finally, like, we're going to get this one-to-one person and sat in a meeting and all of a sudden the lawyer turns to me and starts asking like well why did you like why did you do this with the kids and why do you me like i have five-year-olds why do you take them out in the afternoon to play you're missing instruction i'm like they're five years old right the other kindergarten class is out there i'm trying to socialize them because that's part of their issue so the lawyer instead of fighting for the one-to-one um, uh, that you guys thought was the right thing for this child um, was challenging how you were doing your job. Yeah, she was challenging my educational strategies, and I could just tell she was just popping out buzzwords that uh-huh. she had no idea what they meant. And I, I, like, I don't put up, like, I don't care if you're a lawyer. I'm not scared of you. Right. You put your pants on one leg at a time like I do. So I was popping off to her. Be like, you don't understand what that is and this and that. And um, because the thing is, some of the lawyers, there are some really good educational lawyers who know the constraints of the school district. Mm-hmm. This was one of those lawyers who was like, okay, yeah, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. Um that one-to-one, and we're going to get you everything else. We're going to, mm. like, bleed them dry, that type of thing. So, and I remember this, and, it, and it's not unique to just, um, it's not unique to just, the like, a, an urban school district. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember um, my sister uh, in a suburban school district having to fight really hard um, for her um, one son that uh, was, like, it was a ADD, which is, you yeah. Know, Everybody's got ADD now, but we're talking like many years ago. So for him to even like have that diagnosis at that point in time was was new, and they you, she had to fight tooth and nail. And my sister's that type of person, so it's not unusual that you have to do this. So it's just kind of weird that they decided that like like the under they they it feels like they should have known like okay that school district is not going to give us what we needed without us begging for it. But then you come into this, like, um, uh, into this, uh, you know, whatever, it was a hearing or... Um, it was just a meeting. Like a it meeting. was, yeah. And instead of fighting for what they know they needed, they decided to come after you. Yeah, and one of their big arguments with me was that there was this boxed curriculum 
and it's based on applied behavior analysis. And they were annoyed or whatever. They thought it was wrong that I wasn't using this box curriculum. I said, I don't need the box curriculum because I was trained in applied behavior analysis before the school district even knew what this was. I'm doing my own program. I had all the data to support it, right. but they were focused on this boxed curriculum. So it sounds a lot like even now where um, we're teaching based on test um, yeah. Score. So they, you need to teach based on. Okay. Yeah, just like oh, it was this evidence-based box, right, box curriculum. Right. But I'm like, I'm doing the evidence-based things. I'm just not reading from a script. It's more organic, and I'm doing more than what's in that boxed curriculum. And, and they hired somebody who has a master's in in special. Oh, special and that ed. doesn't matter. They don't care. Like that's the one thing about being a teacher is nobody cares what you think that you're not looked at as an expert. Um, and they, they totally like were throwing the baby out with the bathwater because I was big into inclusion. I had my kids included in regular ed. I was known in my school for being like, don't you exclude my kids from anything. I don't care if the symphony right. is in our building and my kids are going, no, 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 no. Like, right. You are going to include them. Right. Um, at, and at the end of the day, when they are 20 years old or what yeah. have you, you know. And they need to be taught in the situation. Like, you can't right. exclude them. But, yeah, so this parent, like, I was her biggest advocate, and I thought we were on the same side. And she, I remember, like, sitting in that meeting and just, like, looking at her and being like, you are letting this stupid lady lawyer just... <laughs> come at me and that just ruined everything and she ended up like they got her put in a different school in the neighborhood like a couple like a mile away where she got her boxed curriculum um and i ran into the kid one summer with mm -hmm. her dad and i was like she doesn't look like she's made any improvements at all so she never got the one-on-one -on -one, though Oh, she probably she, did. Okay. Yeah, she probably did. But I know for a fact she wasn't being included in like activities with That's the regular education kids or like that type of thing. She was in a classroom where they probably ate lunch in their room. They probably did everything in their room and were just tucked away, out away of sight, out audience. of mind. Yep. So that that kind of soured everything. Yeah. And so you're going to become a nurse, but what what made you decide on nursing that that was the the path for you? Uh, so it was something that I had considered as far as like in high school because I had a lot of relatives in nursing. Um, all, like all my aunts mm -hmm. were nurses. A lot of them were military nurses. I have an uncle who's a prison nurse. Um, and, and the next generation of family members, there was a bunch of nurses and like a psychiatrist, a, a pathologist, like all medical field type of people. Mm -hmm. And actually when I was in high school, I thought about in undergrad, like, oh, maybe I'll do ROTC nursing. Uh, but then I realized I don't like being told what to do. So <laughs> I scrapped that idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's something I flip-flopped about for a long time. And actually, I would have gone to nursing school back when I got my master's in education. But at the time, they only had full-time programs. 
Okay. So there's no way I could just quit my job and go to school. So at the time you were going into nursing school, you're unmarried. Yes. And so you couldn't just quit your job. Right. And you needed, right, I assume like obviously health insurance and just even to pay for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that, like, so did you go to school at the same time and work a full job at the same time? How'd that, how'd you do all that? I did. So there were, it might've been, I think there was only one part-time program at the time. And that, that's why I ended up going to LaSalle. Um, and that was class twice a week, two nights a week, and then clinicals every other weekend. And so I worked full-time. I could work full-time. I worked my school job and then went to class at night and then just, you know, did my clinicals on the weekend. And that's, I think that's the, like, because a lot of times, I mean, a lot of the people that I've talked to have, like, ways that they can just stop what they're doing and, you know, like... They have a spouse, so they don't. They have somebody that can pay the bills while they go to school. That would they have been can go so on nice. I mean, oh my goodness! It's, well, it's it's the thing that kind of I mean sucks about this. The the country is a like in terms of health insurance. You there's you there's no. Obviously, there's no socialized plan. So if you're, even if you decide to quit, if you're, you know, post the age of 26, you have to pay for health insurance yeah. on your own um, to do that. And so the second thing is like they have this thing in like certain countries, and this is an idea that they've been talking about in the United States. I forgot what the actual term is, but there's like um, the idea of like a um, a basic income that everybody just as a as a oh, citizen yeah. would get and so and it would cover things like your you know rent or I feel like they were doing food. that in the Scandinavian they, countries they're testing yeah. it in a, a in a Scandinavian country um right now I just heard a study a story about it like maybe like a year or so ago and it's something that they've talked about here but like even something like that if you were able to 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 tap on that like once in your Life, you're like, look, I'm doing the wrong thing, or I just got laid off, and I need to go back to school, but I'm not going to be able to do that because right. I I need to make a. It would be good for you, but you don't have that. You have to right. You work. have to so kill you yourself. To, how long? <laughs> right. So how long did you do this for? So the well, the prerequisites again, back from 2008. That was like I was taking one or two classes online. And then when I got into LaSalle with the clinicals and everything, that was two and a half years. It was a long two and a half years. It, kinda, it just sounds like it would be painful to go through at the same time you're doing a full-time Yeah, job. well, because teaching is so hard and it takes so much planning and energy and money. <laughs> and then to go and do all this nursing school stuff. And I'm going to say something controversial. A lot of people say nursing school is really hard. Um, I didn't find it that hard mm -hmm. just because I had come from my master's. I thought my master's was difficult and I worked during my master's. Like my master's was all projects and writing papers, like 30 page papers and research. Whereas nursing school is all tests. And like, yeah, you got to study but there was very few papers and stuff like right. that. Well, 
and you, I mean, I don't want to put it this way, but you kind of are a professional student, right? You, you yeah, know how, I was. You know how to stu- you, but yeah. I mean, like my, my nephew is just going into college and I had a conversation with him and I said, like, look, you know, your first year, it's really, you got to figure it out. Like there's nobody holding your hand mm-hmm. like it was in, in high school. Like if you have an eight o'clock, I remember me, like I used to have eight o'clock classes and I was a commuter. So I had to go like an oh, hour plus to get there. Yeah. I couldn't make eight o'clock classes. I, I hardly could ever make them. And so in my mind, it's like, okay, next semester, no eight o'clock classes. There was nobody telling me that right. at the beginning. You have to figure out how to be your best student kind of on your own. Right. Like you didn't, you didn't have to really figure that out. You knew how to. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. To be a, a student. So it was easy for you. Yeah. Well, like I found again, everybody, they, they were complaining. I thought the content was not hard. It was really the time commitment. Right. Because on the weekends when I wasn't at clinical, I'd be doing schoolwork. I'd be studying and um, like practice test taking all all this stuff. Um, So, but yeah, like I didn't find content wise. It was that difficult. And so when you, so when you graduated as a, um, from nursing school, you still then at that point have to go and do like. Like, I don't, you, you have to, you, well, you, A, you have to find a job. Yes. But don't you have to do additional studying or something like that? Like, no, once I graduate, I had to take the boards. Okay. So, uh, but I, I took my boards, I think less than a month after I, I graduated. Um, but then no, you find a job and most places now have what's called like a residency program. It's mm-hmm. for new to practice nurses. So you are hired as a nurse and you, you go to work like everybody else, but they'll have these like extra classes that you have to go to. So I had to do that, which is helpful because really the way nursing school is now, I felt like when I finally got to a floor, I didn't know what in the world, like what I was doing. I really learned everything on the job. Which I wish they would take nursing schools back to the hospitals and because do it. you could learn. Yeah, more because I really felt ignorant and helpless when I got onto a floor. Gotcha. So what was um, what was your biggest adjustment like when you got your first like nursing job? Oh, the schedule. Okay. Because initially I thought like. Oh, three 12 hour shifts and nurses love those shifts. It's mm-hmm. like you work three days, you have four days off a week. Yeah. Like where, where else can you do that? Um, but I, I couldn't believe it, but I hated it. I hated it. Number one, I had to work every other weekend mm-hmm. and yeah, sure. I had those rest of the days off, but everyone else I knew was working. So right. it's like, great, like I can clean my house again or like go to the movies by myself or go sit at the bar and read a book. But everyone else I know is working. Or if I worked during the week and friends are like, oh, we're going to meet for happy hour at like five o'clock. Well, I don't walk out the door till seven. And most working people, people I know now aren't going to hang out after eight o'clock right. during the week. They're just like, no, I got to go to work tomorrow and <laughs> put my kids to bed. They don't. Yeah. So I had a really hard time adjusting to the schedule. Plus you schedule in six week periods of time. 
So when and you can self schedule, I can uh-huh. sit there. Here are the days I want to work, but that means I have to know what's going on in my life for the next six weeks. Whereas when I was a teacher, I know every single day of the year that I'm working. Right. So I know I can plan a vacation this time, or I know, well, I know all my nights and weekends are free. Right. That's for sure. So you can. It's easier to plan. Yeah. Way in. I know when I have a free day to go to the dentist. You know. But yeah, those were the hard things. So now you worked in a hospital at the uh, at the beginning. Yes. And but now, now it's kind of come full circle back because you are a school nurse. Yes, I am. I worked in the hospital. I sort of knew when I was doing my clinicals, I suspected that I would not like working in a hospital. Uh So I was like, eh, this is gross. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's lots of poop. (laughs) Um, So gross. But I was, my main interest has always been in public health, sort Uh of community health. And I sort of touched on that when I was in uh, undergrad at Penn State. Like, I belonged to a a club that was about health education, and I was interested in in research. So one of my, a school nurse that had been the school nurse at the last school where I worked had told me, he was like, you should become a school nurse. And I was like, I have zero clinical experience. I can't just, you know, graduate nursing school. So I worked for a year. And then I was like, yeah, I'll go back into the schools. And all the nurses I worked with thought I was crazy. They're like, you have to work five days a week. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but I'm done by 3.30 and I have my nights free and my weekends and the summer. The summer. And, yeah. Right. And like school nursing is so much easier than teaching. It's such a, it's such a different story. Um, it's weird though. I still identify with being a teacher It does because as soon as I start in a school, like I go and I talk to all the teachers and I'm like, what are you doing? Um, Uh (laughs) And I try to help them out. And like, I I do miss teaching. I don't miss all the BS around it, but I do miss the actual teaching part of it. Do you, do you enjoy being a school nurse? Yes. And I'm a mean one. (laughs) I am. Because I know like, I, I think a lot of school nurses who have never worked in schools or aren't used to being in the classroom, like, they always just believe kids when they're like, oh, like somebody hit. No, I know what's going on. <laughs> you, uh-uh. <laughs> That's awesome. Knock it off. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, and I like the people I work with. I like the teachers I work with. And now... Like, I started to get worried that I'm going to lose my clinical skills. So now, like, it's summertime. I picked up, well, I picked up a per diem job back in December. But knowing, like, I will be able to work over the summer. And working three days a week over the summer is nothing. I still have right. four days off. And you still have time yes. off. So, so if you were to go back and, and do something differently, like, mm-hmm. what would you do differently about how you became um, uh, a nurse? Uh, well, number one, from jump, I would not have gone to college immediately out of high school. (laughs) Absolutely. I was not prepared for that whatsoever. Um, I would have, and when I did go to college and I tell my nieces this, whatever you do, like if you have to take those general ed credits, take sciences. Mm -hmm. because those 
are really like any other field you go into like anything I can't like even if you go into teaching there's no real prerequisites mm-hmm. um, any like sort of professional thing like if you want to be an engineer or you decide to be a doctor or a nurse or like they want to see or like you want to work in a um, like for pharmaceutical company like it's easier to extend your education if you already have those base sciences. Gotcha. Like, that's just a practical thing I would have done. Okay. Um, just knowing that set yourself up for, like, almost, like, having to change in the future. Yeah. 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 I, I fully agree with that. I think that, like, when um, like my last job, I had people that were reporting um, to me, and I would say to them, I'm like, look, because yeah, they're a lot younger than me, and I'm like, just have a have a fallback plan like prepare because it's not like it's not like when you know um our parents were young and you had like one job like my mom had basically one job for most of the time that i was a a, a kid and she retired at that job that doesn't happen that much now and you have to change and you have to like adjust multiple times in a career and so having multiple things to fall back on is nice right and it's like say you go to college and you do like just general sciences for the first two years if you decide you want to go into political science or you want to go into business that's not gonna hurt you you're not behind but if you've been in like i was in liberal arts like i took foreign languages and english and like all these other things and then i decide you know midway through penn state oh i'd like to go into nursing well, I just have to go back and do all right. the sciences now, and I'm screwed. So, finally, if you were to recommend to somebody, like, they're at a point where they're fed up. Like, they got to that proverbial straw that broke the fe- the, the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you, what would you recommend to them in terms of how to change their career? Um, I feel like, actually, the the practical things of like changing your career are easy. It's getting over that mental hump. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause people, I talk to so many people who are like, Oh, I'm not good at that. Or I could never do that. Or, and I'm, I'm like, you know, you've met people in your life who you work with. Um, not everyone is a genius. Right. That's the thing. I think there, there's something out there. I've met doctors who I'm like, well, you're not that bright. You're like, <laughs> one ran for president. A few yes, years ago. like <laughs> I think people sell themselves short, or, or uh, I don't know if they're just afraid of a little discomfort. I'm perfectly comfortable well, with discomfort. That's well, my- <laughs> so there's, there, I think there's a couple things, right? Like you know, I know, right? There's the this discomfort right so you get accustomed to a certain way of living mm-hmm. having to give that up is um is, is tough but i also like I, i've said this to a couple of friends and i think i've said this at some point in interviews but it, maybe i haven't but like there's momentum that your life builds mm-hmm. and you know what's the the physics thing that like um uh an object in motion stays mm-hmm. in motion like when your career is like moving along in a certain way and when your mind thinks that this is the direction you're going for you to then stop and say okay i'm just going to switch and it's just hard for your brain to say yeah i'm, not, I'm to get out of that 
movement that you've been in your entire life, your or, entire prof- or professional Or I think career. a lot of people are afraid of, like, giving up stuff. Oh, yeah. And, it, again, I... I moved when I moved to Thailand. I got rid of everything I owned, everything except some stuff that would fit in a Tupperware <laughs> container that, or like the Rubbermaid container that had like my yearbooks in it and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, like I didn't miss it, right? You know, you can really survive with a lot less. That and... seems like a really good um, test or just like thing to do. It's just like because you were forced to do it, like. Like, go down to uh, everything that you can carry in a Tupperware or a bag and live on that for yeah. a month and see what... And, and if you didn't need it in a month, you don't need it. Like, it just seems... And I, I just think it's... It's a tragedy when people go to a job every day that makes them miserable. Like, I... Well, because it's a job. It's not a career. If you're, like, miserable every day... Like, you're not going to have the happiest... Like, I don't have the greatest days sometimes in nursing. But, like, on a general basis, I'm not miserable. I talk about my job to other people. I think that's one thing. If you can sit there and talk about what you do at work, Mm -hmm. you probably have an interesting job. You know, David doesn't really tell me that much what he does at work. Uh Because it's boring. (laughs) And he hates it. Um... But I tell him all sorts of stories because it's it's like funny stuff happens and it's an interesting job and I don't mind going to it every day. So I feel like you got to find something that you're going to want to talk about with your friends and family. Well, I think that's a good place to, to end the interview. I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you. This was super fun. <laughs> the second time. Yes, the second time. <laughs> Have a good one. All right, so thanks for listening. Um, been hearing from friends and from people that are listening that they are getting, uh, uh, that they're finding these podcasts helpful. The numbers have been going up every week, so do what you're doing. Share it with your friends. Uh, I was out for dinner uh, with a uh, former coworker of mine, and he actually had told me that he had shared the the health insurance episode of a few weeks back with his uh, his ex-wife. And she had gotten value out of it, and that just you know makes me feel good that what we're doing here is uh, is uh, is is uh, hitting the mark. So by all means, do that. Um, reach out to me if you go over to the website nextexit.site. Um, there's uh, a form where you can reach out to contact me on the site. You can also reach out to me on Twitter and uh, Facebook at nextexitpod. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week.